I can't be even, you know, be more proud of, you know, the fact that this food is is actually bringing this joy to people's lives, or also making their lives easier by creating something that is so easy to use. This is the producers. I'm Anthony Huckstep. After having an average experience eating Jamaican food at a festival, Brian Johnson suddenly got an urge to try and do it better. He delved into the food of his heritage and soon discovered the complexities and challenges of dishing up food of a high standard. But after trial and error, he's become one of the best producers of Jamaican jerk spice rubs and hot sauces down under. So I was at a, at a fair, at a, at a food fair. Uh, this was in Glebe and saw that there was a a food truck that was there that was selling Jamaican style food and being that I'm from Jamaica got really excited and there was a massive queue and so I then started to jump into the queue and to try it out to see what it was like what, what all the fuss was about got there in the end and the food was it was okay but not great and I said well you know I think I can do better than that and make sure that people have that good experience so I then decided to to actually um, jump into the idea of, well, I'll just have a food stand as well and create food. Boy, did I get a lesson. I had no idea. Um, I, by that time, of course, I wasn't actually cooking. Like I, I never cooked before. And so I would normally be eating out and it was just not a thing for me. So, but I was the one who was organizing. So I went and I got ordered the equipment and got all of my friends to come and help. And so the morning of the activity, you know, one of my mates, he was just like, all right, Brian, so, you know, we're going to cook. So where's the barbecue? And I pointed over to what, you know, this thing. And he's like, Brian, that's not a barbecue. And I'm like, but it, it is. He's like, Brian, that's a roaster. <laughs> that's not a barbecue. You need a barbecue. We're going to have to start service soon. We need something. And thank goodness my mate was like a MacGyver. So he went took his home barbecue, took the legs off the roaster, did some gaffer tape onto the actual, his barbecue that was a, you know, like a, a benchtop barbecue so we could actually have service on the day. And I was like, right, so that was my first mistake. Didn't know that was the thing. And throughout the day, you know, it was all sort of, you know, a lot of different things happening where my friends were just, I'm so grateful for them to step in. But the the, the moral of the story is that it started out with with me wanting to actually have this Jamaican food experience, but not knowing about anything of how to actually doing this jump in head first. So a lot of lessons learned out of that. So um, after a few times of doing food, you know, food pop-ups uh, around Sydney, getting a handle of it, deciding, you know what, I think that this needs a lot more um, work. So let's just take a step back and let's create the products that actually then drive the food. And then we'll get back to the actual food food setup itself at a later point. And that's really what I've done. So out of that came just starting up with actually creating the products and actually um, selling them to consumers as well as to uh, food service. So uh, airlines, events, um, uh, hotels, restaurants, bars, etc. And then of course you have QSR, some QSRs who purchase the products. And of course then simply just uh, direct to consumers. Um, so and that has been really quite good. Growing up in Jamaica, food was at the heart of the family. 
I think growing up in a large family,、um, we, you know, where I was the youngest, I think food is definitely for anyone who has a large family. They're going to be familiar with the stories that, you know, food is this amazing thing that when it's actually served in a large family, you learn to eat very fast because it will disappear. And so, as a child、um, growing up, you know, certainly having that, where I'd be one of those children that, you know, I want to create this like, you know, eating my food, but put in. You know, meat, for example, I'd put that as the last thing that I would eat because I'm like waiting to to have this amazing thing at the end. And of course, my older siblings would just take that away, you know, like take that meat away, and then I'd be crying to my parents, and then I'd get the 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 scolding that says, "Well, you know, now you know you should always eat, you know, everything together on your plate and not wait for wait not put things aside." And so you learn how to. Eat your your meals properly, but more than anything, you're trying to protect your food from your siblings because you're such you're in such a big family, and you know there are five boys and, and one girl. So yeah, you know what that, that that would be like in Jamaica. The Sunday dinner is is a thing for everyone. So、um, so I think the tradition of, of of different types of food. So on on Fridays, your mom doesn't cook. So then, because she's not cooking, you'd normally be going out to have something where you'd normally then have this food called jerk, which is basically you know what's、uh, street food called. We call it pan chicken as well, and we have that on a Friday because mummy's not cooking, and that's our our treat for that particular day. And then on Sundays, it's going to be soup, some kind of soup,、um, which is either you know some uh, uh, beans, legumes, you know some sort of、um, meat.、Um, And that's just a traditional thing that you just sort of look forward to if you're really loving soup. And then Sunday is like the big feast day when the big spread happens, you know, on the table, and it is, you know, the, the various types of meat that actually are cooked. This,、um, you know, and, and seafood as well. And the idea really is that it's a coming together of the family. So I think from a、uh, looking forward to particular things, I think we the tradition would be knowing that that's going to happen every week, and then. Of course, then you have just normal events that occur for any, you know, major event. Even for a funeral, there is like a major food thing that happens as well. You know, there is a goat that actually is killed,、um, and you know, the the it's in honor of of a person who 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 passed away in their spirit. So there is a whole tradition that goes with food、um, for you know, based on the the event or the activity that's occurring. Jerk is not something all that common in Australia, but the low and slow movement is helping put it on the map. One of the things that I guess, in, in terms of、uh, the flavour profile for for jerk, is that it's quite savoury, aromatic, and spicy. So the idea of jerk really is that it's actually a marinade as well as a cooking style, very similar to what、um, what one would know as. The American barbecue smoking, but in the American style, of course, things are have that、uh, gets that sweeter flavor to barbecue, and in Jamaica, jerk is actually more savory. So that savory aromatic spiciness comes from、um, the pimento berry, which is a dried berry, and when crushed, you'll get notes of cinnamon, cloves, and nutmeg. So that actually is that aroma that we put onto meats, primarily、um, pork and chicken. And so for events, I would then, of course, I did chicken,、uh, jerk chicken on 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 the barbecue, and、um, created what is、uh, it's like a coconut brioche, or what we call a, a cocoa bread, which is、um, a, a doughy type bread that is infused with coconut,、um, and that we then 
we we normally have it as a side dish for other types of food but for this event i basically created this coconut bread with this chicken and a coleslaw and that was really the drive for for the, for the event and you know we had it, it did well and there were massive queues again and i'm so grateful that people waited for the food because again i didn't know what i was doing so people waited 25 minutes for food and <laughs> i was like this is not going to happen in the future you know so i learned over time to three minutes and food is out but um you know you have to start somewhere brian's career in finance brought him down under but the link to his heritage drew him into food how I got here was probably, you know, not having to do with food. This was uh, my professional background is banking and finance. So after leaving Jamaica, I went to New York for university and lived and worked there for a while. And of course, in, in multiple other countries um, after that as well. But the firm that I was working for, I was seconded to Australia um, from that firm. And that's how I got to Australia. What you find or what I have found is that when when I'm working in banking and finance, I'm on the other side of the table looking at businesses and what they're doing. And now I'm in the actual, the other side of the seat, actually being the business that actually has to, having to make sure that the finances are fine, but operationally it actually is working well, supply chains, et cetera, et cetera. So what, but because I had a view from the other side, that really helps me then in the business. And um, I treat it, you know, properly like a business where the balance sheet is important as well as the P&L. And so the, the food aspect of it is important, but I'm not the I'm not the food person that is just passionate about food. I'm a business person who is hasn't who has a deep love of food and therefore I'm applying everything that I've learned to that as well. Although his experience in finance has helped his business acumen, Brian soon realized starting a food business is no easy feat. I think that, I think realizing, I, you know, for once you go from the home cook making something uh, for a market that, you know, going out to various like fam- uh, farmers markets and in a small batch, you know, that is all fine and, you know, creating your, your own label, but you still have to get the label printed. You're going to the local, you know, local, you know, Office Express or something. The, the idea of taking that small in-kitchen product and now saying, okay, I need to produce a commercially viable product um, that can you know, stand up to commercial scrutiny from a, a large distributor. For example, one of the, the big supermarkets uh, started, you know, was interested in uh, taking my product. So I had to make sure I had to now raise that level. So the incident of you know, taking my small recipe from the kitchen turning that into, you know, a massive recipe for a, um, a large manufacturer, meeting all the, the, the regulatory health standards, then all the labeling standards and the errors that you, you that come along with that. And, you know, but I will say that there, there are so many good people out there who helped me, you know, to get there, the, there, there, I think there are less horror stories because there are so many, I think, good people um, who helped me along. But certainly the challenges are there to try to, you know, to understand what the food legislation actually is. Why is it important that you understand what it is? Be, you know, making sure I get the that that understanding of what it means to be a food safety supervisor and, and, and you know, understanding of how to explain food and, and food safety um, and usage to, to, to the consumers and to the buyers the manufacturer themselves trying to translate my recipe into a, a large recipe and still getting that right taste profile um, that was needed. There's just, you know, the, the wastage that, of that happened. So I would, for example, 
the horror story is having to create that recipe. I thought, you know, what I created was right. The taste of the product came out to be wrong, but I already had ordered hundreds of kilos of this product. And then I had to, then I had to throw it away because it was not right. But I did, I wouldn't know that, you know, until it happened. Um, so, you know, you just, you have stuff like that happen at the beginning and you're in the factory, you're excited, you, you see the product coming off the line and because the product is a, is a, is a shelf stable product. So it's pasteurized. So therefore it has to be hot filled into jars and bottles. You won't know what it tastes like until it actually is cool. So then it, it smells great. comes off the line. You taste it, you know, when it's hot, no problem. And then when it cools and you taste it and you, Oh, right. That is not it. <laughs> and you know, you've already bottled it. So you've paid for the bottles, you've paid for the labels, you've paid for the production, you've paid for the warehousing and all that has to be destroyed and start again. So, you know, it's, those are the sort of things that happened. Um, and, you know, but they're lessons, right? And I think all of those things are lessons. And if you have that sort of more, I think, stoic view to, right, these are, this, this is more of a developmental challenge and you need to, need to get through this as opposed to, right, you know, the world is coming to an end, you know, no one died. So I think taking that sort of a, a stoic um, response to it that, you know, you now need to take what you've learned and make sure now the next time, you know, how do you make sure you prevent that from happening? And, you know, that's certainly what I did. I went back to the drawing board and started again. So I think that the the, the question that you asked about, you know, whether there are horror stories, yes, certainly, you know, there are a few, but I think they're less than those than those that are really great stories of people who, ex, you know, help to explain shelf stability. How do you get shelf stability in a product and in short shelf stable, you know, you know, that, that going to UNSW and finding a professor at UNSW who would want to talk to me about shelf stability and actually, you know, um, testing the product for me and, you know, giving me the feedback on, you know, pH balance, you know, all these things that, you know, again, imagine I didn't know anything about food when I started this. It's not my background. I come from banking and finance. So I have to now upskill and learning all this new language, but the great people that are there, I cannot be thankful enough. And there's so many named and unnamed people that have, have helped me so far and I'm so, so grateful. The moment Brian finally got his product perfect is one he will never forget. When that first jar came off the line, I still actually, I took that jar and I still have it to this day. And so it was a moment because blood, sweat and tears. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, you're in the this massive warehouse. I'm donning the, you know, that fishnet thing, you know, over my head. I'm, you know, wearing the the mask, and I'm in a white coat, and you know, seeing this big vat of thing, and you can smell everything happening, and then you can just see the line come up, and you can see the thing, the the, the bottles trundling along this this little um, production line, and it comes up, and it swirls around, and it just just looks amazing i'm like wow this is actually happening and i grab that one and i'm just like yes here we go <laughs> at that point i had no idea whether i was going to sell anything but i'm like yes <laughs> here we go for brian it all started wanting to share jamaican food but now jam and jerk not only has spice rubs but hot sauces too uh so where we are now is that producing um a hot and mild version of our jerk marinade paste and the the difference between the hot and mild um, really is about 30% uh, habanero um, difference and 
we're just trying to make sure that the consumers have that choice. And one of the things that certainly I want to do is create a range that is accessible to, to everyone. And as we move up in that range, so the hop, for example, that I've created is what in Jamaica would be considered just to be more of a mild. But I think that's sort of understanding the marketplace and going create things and how do you take people on this journey with you? So we have a hot and mild version for the, the jerk marinades, the wet paste. Then I created a jerk barbecue sauce and that jerk barbecue sauce really is, it's still jerk, um, but now you've added onto it now that the, the tanginess and sweetness um, of barbecue. And, and that is really that given, given that particular flavor and element and adding that, that smokiness of barbecue as well. And then the other product that was created is the hot sauce. And the hot sauce really is, is quite, um, uh, I guess, the, the jewel for me is that it is now how I think it's probably the most accessible because it will, it's how I get people really um, into the space of where you're going to have something that's it's going to be hot, you know, the, the chili-wise. But I want you to taste the flavor because habaneros naturally have actual um, flavor um, on their own. And that's what I want people to get used to, that Jamaican food is not about burn your head off. That's not what it is. If you can't taste the flavor um, of the actual food, then that's not really Jamaican. The, 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 the habanero is actually an ingredient as, a, as amongst the other ingredients, giving it that flavor. So those are the product ranges right now. So the marinades, wet, uh, wet marinades, hot and mild, and we have the barbecue sauce and we have the hot sauce. As Brian explains, the jerk rubs are easy to use. The, 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 the products themselves are made to be, the way that I certainly speak about it, that, you know, everything is done for you in the jar. All you need to do is, you know, take the marinade as a wet paste, add onto your, your protein, and that could be meat, seafood, um, um, or even, you know, vegetables. Uh, you get your hands involved, so you're not just, um, just don't pour it on, you're actually going to put the product on and give that a rub with your, with your hands to make sure it's fully coated. Uh, with thicker cuts of meat, um, definitely I suggest scoring the meat and then leaving that overnight to actually marinate. And the key thing about from a marinade point of view is that the, the citric acid, which is from the, the ingredients that are in the product, which is the, 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 the lime juice and the vinegar actually tenderizes the meat. So it actually starts that, that process. Um, so the, the, the marinating process of leaving that overnight to actually marinate when you do then put that protein to actually cook, it actually is, it's, it's, it's the, the, the outcome when you cook is actually a, a much more tender and juicy product. So you marinate first for thicker cuts and leave it overnight for things that are like seafood, which is if you take in like lobster or prawns or just a, a fillet of, of um, fish, which normally I use like a thicker fillet, a thicker fish like snapper, you would actually put a light coat onto that particular um, seafood and uh, you, that would that I would not actually leave on very long because again because it's actually the citric acid is actually from the ingredients it starts to cook so then you want to make sure that you're cooking really right away and all that flavor is still going to be in the product but you're not actually worried about overcooking the meat um, or the, the sort of that the, the seafood and then for vegetables and and for for non-meat like you know uh, tempeh and tofu um, that actually is just put in that um, marinate on uh, as uh, on it as well, but that's not a marinating process. You're just going to be using that um, for your grilling or your um, 
your stir frying, um, and then you go. The only added thing thing that you would do in any of with any of these particular um, underlying uh, uh, meats, uh, seafood, or vegetables, or, or non um, non meat proteins is adding salt. The products themselves are made to be lower in sodium. So um, they can't be termed low sodium from a, from a regulatory point of view because it doesn't meet that particular standard, um, which is, I think, it's 120 grams per 100. Um, so it's, it's definitely is higher than that. But the, the beauty of the products themselves is that when you think from a low sodium point of view, you, you don't, it doesn't have a lot of salt. So then you may need to add salt if you want to add that. But certainly my background is that uh, heritage-wise, so my mother's side of the family is has hypertension. My dad's side of the family has diabetes. I then grew up as a family not having heavy sugar, heavy salt. So for me, it's it's more than enough what is actually in the jar. But I do understand that everyone has their preference. So that's the only thing that would be needed to add onto the product prior to cooking. And then if you want to add it post-cooking, you know, that's your option as well. Making the products connects Brian to his heritage, but the impact is having on customers is bigger than he ever anticipated. I think over the years, what I, I mean, I, we, I went to, uh, I think the most recent, I think years, years gone by, I've clearly, you know, we, I've had enough um, evidence of people loving the product based on their response. But the, the most recent, I think, is probably, I think it captures all that, uh, I guess, would be emblematic of, of the kind of response that I get. So, meat stock was only a, a few weeks ago, and my product is distributed by um, a distributor um, uh, who distributes basically barbecue products. And they, they had a stand, and they had my products there at the stand. So, I went in and had my products displayed and you know meeting people and because they had, were tasting the products i was able to actually get that direct feedback from them to understand what they actually thought and you know this is certainly where i i was super super excited to to actually hear someone actually you know tell me that they've tasted the hot sauce and the response was wow unreal that is you know, even, you know, younger people going, you know, this is hectic, you know, things like that. And, you know, that I, I just, I'm hearing all this new language about the product, but the beauty of it is that it's been phenomenal, the actual response that people are loving it. It is what I, I think it actually should be. And so the, the, the only thing that I would say that came, that was a surprise, not a surprise, but I, 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 after the after the event itself, you know, clearly, you know, we sell products and it's all fine. I got an a, a, a comment from someone who was there at the event, and you know, you know, he he said he was at the event. He's, he just sent me sent an email to the general email box saying, you know, I know you probably don't remember me. I you know I had a cold on the day and I wasn't able to taste it, but my you know my my, my partner was there and we tried the product and I just want to let you know that you know. We, we bought, you know, two of each and or something to that effect. They bought quite a number of products and their response was that, listen, it was so good. It's all sold out. And so we're buying it again and we're buying it from your online shop and just keep going. Don't stop. You know, you've, you've produced really great products and, and we're, we cannot be happier. And that, you know, stuff like that, you know, clearly no one has to 
make those statements. But the fact that, you know, the gentleman took the time to, to send that uh, to me, I think, you know, you can't be no, no, you can't be not grateful to the fact that yes, people do like what you're doing. And you also get that immediate response to go, yes, this is, it's, it's really, it's working. People do like it. People do enjoy the products and they want more. So it gives me that assurance as well as that uh, comfort to, you know, just keep going. The shift into a career in food has had the most profound impact on Brian. I think I've come to appreciate provenance a lot more, um, uh, supply chain a lot more, um, the entrepreneurial struggle a lot more. Um, so I, I, I would have to say that it's, it's, uh, the impact it has had on my life is that I, it gives me really a great purpose. So when I wake up every day, you know, and people may struggle to wake up every day and, and do what they do. I don't have those struggles. It, it's like I wake up and my mind is on and thinking about the business and the products. And it's something that I think I didn't have before. I didn't have that sense of purpose. And so it has given me that. Um, and I think from a food point of view, I can only be grateful that I am doing something that allows me to, you know, I make something that I love to eat and I, you know, I will tell everyone every day I eat what I make and to see people, if I responses like a customer sending that kind of email to me or in person, or I have friends over and I'm making dinner and everyone is so happy to, to have, you know, this, this, this food utilizing the products, I can't be, be more, you know, change from a, okay, I'd normally be a consumer because that's what I was before. I wasn't, you know, cooking anything I wasn't you know making anything and now that I am a, a producer manuf manufacturing these products uh, selling it to, to to consumers as well as to a lot of chefs as well it it I can't be even you know be more proud of you know the fact that this food is is actually bringing this joy to people's lives and also making their lives easier by creating something that is so easy to use and they get that flavor profile and that hit that they actually you know wouldn't have otherwise so I think from a change perspective, it's just made me appreciate, um, I guess, the, as I said, the entrepreneurial struggle. Um, it's made me uh, appreciate uh, the supply chain of what goes into, when you see something on shelf, what goes into making that thing on shelf. I completely appreciate now that that is, that is a lot of work to get it there. Um, and then, of course, the provenance in terms of, you know, where are these ingredients um, from? And a lot of the things that I guess I I have, I try to, you know, of course, the majority of my ingredients are here from Australia. And for what is not, then it's um, from overseas. But the majority actually is from here. And I think that actually is, again, understanding provenance again about those sort of things. Brian Johnson and Jam and & Jerk is a wonderful example of the global embrace of Australia's culinary landscape. This is The Producers, a Deep in the Weeds production. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of producers, farmers, makers and growers, the true lifeblood of the food industry. Follow us on Instagram at Producers Podcast or email us at producerspodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au.